All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Can you see it? Did you know? The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice. Adam's To the line, Hughes scores! Yes, existence. Take you to the First career NHL goal. Quinn Hughes makes it 1 nothing. Here. Like I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in in Valentine's Day. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks 
conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. My name is Dave Guadrelli, and as always, I am joined by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I might be the man who built the place, but you're at the place that we built now. You're back in the studio. How uh, how cool is that to get back on the roadcaster? And maybe the audio quality will even be a little bit better. Well, it's a little dusty, so I came in, dusted it immediately, because it has been a while since we've been in here. Like, last time we were in here, and long-time listeners of the show, I know we have a lot of new ones, appreciate that, by the way. Long-time listeners of the show will know we built this studio when coronavirus happened, and we could no longer go to BCIT, because that's where we were doing the show when we first started it in January, or sorry, when I first joined on. Um, so we have this roadcaster, we've got some nice equipment, we love it, we love it in this studio, but... We haven't been able to use it because we're like, yeah, maybe let's not hang out and sit in a closed room with not great ventilation together for an hour and do a podcast. So we've been all doing it all remotely for now, but hopefully hopefully as, you know, vaccines roll out and the numbers start to go down, we can get back in here cuz man, there's nothing like sitting in the same room doing the show. Like that some of our best moments have happened when we've been in this room. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. It's uh ah, uh, man, yeah, I can't wait till like, uh, I just hope that we get back to somewhat normality in the summer, like, you know, start to get these vaccines flowing through. And so we can get back in the studio because, yeah, I think the, the podcast is a lot better when we uh, when we can see each other and react off of each other's, you know, I guess the way that we move or, or talk about certain points. Like, it just seems to add a lot to the podcast, I think, in the end. So uh, here's to hoping that uh, that it gets better because, uh, you know, we don't talk about it often, but, man, it's on the back of your mind all the time, just, like, waiting for... The world to get back to normal, and uh, one of those things will be being back in the studio. So we'll see. Maybe they'll open up the uh, six-person bubbles again in the summer or whatever we're at. So I'm excited for it, man. Uh, a lot more excited for that than I am about this Canucks team right now. It's been, uh, it's bad. Things are bad. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this Canucks team, Chris. Things are bad. Blowing that lead last night. I saw, okay, here's the thing. A lot of people have been talking about, oh, it's going to be an uphill climb to make the playoffs and they can do it maybe. But I saw a lot of people last night get really dejected about this team and just like, you know what? Maybe this team just isn't good. That was what I was seeing a lot of people saying. And it's hard to disagree with them when they're blowing leads like they did last night. Here's the thing, Chris. To make the playoffs, they're going to need about 63-65 points. That would require them to win 22 games, 11 losses, and like one overtime loss in that. That would, that's what they need to do. They're already, I think 40, like, they're, they're almost, like, their season in the calendar sense is like very close to being done, I think. Like, there's, there's about a little more than halfway to go. Like, it feels like just yesterday we were talking about opening night and don't worry, they can still turn this around. The top line's going to get going, all this other stuff. But man, maybe the team's just not good. Like, what what do you make of this? Yeah, I think um, this team, the way that they sit right now, are going to have to perform basically at the level that we saw the 2010-2011 Canucks team perform at throughout the whole season. I mean... The Canucks are going to have to win two out of three games for the remainder of the season to have a chance of making the playoffs. And that's a tough spot to be in for a team that I think for a while we were getting to a point where it's like, okay, this team is digging themselves into a hole, but here's what they have to do to maybe get out of it and still make a run for the playoffs. And now it's at the point where you really needed a big showing against the Jets. And to take two L's against the Jets uh, is a tough spot to put yourself in. I just think that, this team has showed that they are capable of looking like a playoff team. I think we've seen that over the past two weeks, to be honest. And I think that's what's 
what's gotten us to the point of maybe being a little bit more negative than we were even two weeks ago because the team has now been playing good, having good possession numbers, playing a game that Travis Green wants his team to play, and it's still not good enough, right? Like, it's still not good enough to go out there and win two out of three games, it feels like. And I know the Canucks have had probably the hardest schedule in the NHL to start this year. I mean, they've played a ton of games, still more games than any other team in the league. And that's that's something, right? Like, that's not that's not just nothing. That's definitely something you have to take into account. And maybe that helps them later on in the season as they have obviously less games to play than the remainder of teams, or at least less games scheduled anyways. But, yeah, this... This is a tough spot to be in because a lot of things aren't clicking for the Canucks like a lot of people were hoping for. There's there's top to bottom. You can really go anywhere and start to say why this team isn't looking like a playoff contender because of the forwards, certain things on defense. I mean, even the goaltending now you could talk about. I just, it's tough. Like, it, I want to be optimistic. I want there to be playoff hockey. It's good for us as as people covering the team. Like, we don't... We don't root for the team when we're at the games, but man, like it, it helps everybody covering this Vancouver Canucks team when they are good, and that's what we want to see. We just want to see a good team. We want to be able to cover a good team. It's it's something that Botch preached like all the time. Like this market deserves to be able to talk about a good hockey team, and unfortunately, unless they're an absolutely amazing hockey team for the rest of the season, which is going to be tough from what we've seen so far. It doesn't look like playoffs are really in the cards for the Vancouver Canucks, unfortunately. It's it's a bad it's a bad feeling because, like I said, they played good. They played good, and they still weren't good enough to get wins on games where they really needed wins. I want to ask you a question, Chris, because they're about forty percent done their season. And okay, this is going to come across as overtly positive, but who is your X factor to turn this season around? Who do you think the Canucks need the most out of? Like, who can single-handedly carry this team into contention once again? And I know it's going to be tough, but who's your X factor? Well, it's it's maybe Jacob Markstrom. I don't know. Um, <laughs> he was the he was the MVP last year for a reason, uh, and you're seeing a lot of that. Just I just I look back at the game, and even just looking back at last night's game, like Braden Holtby lets in some some bad goals. That goal against. Uh, Mark Shifley coming down that sneaks through him. That's a tough goal. That's a yeah. save that you need to make. I I just think that we saw the big blocker save that he made when he dove across to his right side, made a great save, and that was great. Like, but the Canucks need like four of those a game, right? Like, you can't yeah. just have one or two. Unfortunately, the way this Canucks team plays, you need four of those. You need Thatcher Demko like playoff performances for this team to really go on a run. And I, I like. I want to be positive. Like, I really do. I try and be positive a lot with this team, but there's a lot that's just set them up so bad where the roster construction has limited so many of their good players and potential to have good seasons, and there's no support coming from them. I mean, all the money that's coming from these guys, you're not getting enough support from them. So I think an X factor for the Canucks, to answer your question in a roundabout way, like, who... Like, I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I, I think maybe JT Miller turning around to what he did last year would be a huge step for them, but I don't think that's enough to get them into the playoffs. I think I think it would have to be on, and I hate to do it, but, like, it, it's kind of almost on the young guys in Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser to just be elite, like, to be some of the best players in the league. That's really what I think could get this team into the playoffs is – if somehow Pedersen really just starts scoring at a ridiculous rate. And, and I want to talk about the power play a little bit once we get into this later. Um, but if you can start to get one of the best players in the league on your team, then I think this team has a chance. And 
the potential's there, right? Like Elias Pettersson could be one of the best players in this league, but he's going to have to do it like right now with the players that he's playing with right now on this team and the defensemen that are supporting him in the offensive zone. And unfortunately, I just... I don't know if that's going to happen because of the the circumstances of where this team's at and what they really are facing in such a strange season that's uh, been, you know, de- derailed really by COVID and made it such a strange, strange thing up and down, top to bottom. Like, it's made the season different. It's made series different. It's playing just the same six or seven teams every single game. There's a lot of things that are just adding up to making it a lot harder for the Canucks to really get back into a playoff run right now. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. But the X factor question is an interesting one to me because the person I think that really, if anybody's going to do it, I think it's Thatcher Demko. Like I, I think we've seen signs, and I'm yes, I'm looking at the one nothing loss where he let, or it's two nothing, but he let in one goal. I'm looking at that game and saying. Okay, you can't win when you don't get any run support. But if the Canucks score a goal in that game or don't make a brutal turnover at their line, well, that was weird how I said that. Brutal turnover at their line, Thatcher Demko is bailing them out. Like Thatcher Demko is carrying them to a victory in that game. I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not trying to say that Thatcher Demko needs to be better. I think Braden Holpe needs to be better. I think Thatcher Demko is this team starter. I think that much is clear, as it should be. And I think. When you have two goalies like this, you need them both to be great, but you can also, when you're getting desperate, you can rely on one of them to be great and the other one to be good. I think of what's going on in Montreal with Carey Price and Jake Allen. The Habs really wanted to shore shore up their goaltending situation, so they went out and got Jake Allen. It's paid off so far, but Jake Allen also lost in overtime to the Ottawa Senators yesterday. I get it. They got to score more in front of him, but I'm looking at it and almost thinking, like, this is kind of what the Canucks have. Like, when we talk about the best tandem in the league or whatever, or sorry, in the division, you know, it's probably Montreal. But Jake Allen's nothing to write home about. He's a solid goalie. And I think Braden Holtby can give you that solid goaltending, but I think you have to roll with Demko from now on. And I think that being said, if anybody's going to come out and just bring this team into the playoffs, I think it's going to be Thatcher Demko. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you there, and, and I'll go off a side story a little bit because it's funny that you bring up a goaltender. I was at uh, the game last night, the second game against Winnipeg, and I I ran into Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine, who I know you talk a lot with, and I told Kevin, I said, I'm mad at you, Kevin, because you've converted quads to only wanting to talk about goaltenders all the time now. Uh, so I told him I was pissed off at him about that, and of course you bring up a goalie as the X Factor, but to to your point, you are right. I mean, if if Thatcher Demko were to be able to be, again, it's a similar situation to what my point was though. Like Thatcher Demko would have to be one of the best goaltenders in the league for this team to get back in the race. Like he would have to put in an elite performance night in and night out as one of the best goaltenders on a regular basis for this team to get back into it. And that's, that's a bad thing. Like I I look at this team and I look at Brock Besser point a game, Quinn Hughes just under a point a game. And I think, like, wow, that's great that you're getting a nice jump from Brock Besser and Quinn Hughes. Offensively, you definitely are. I just, I'm worried that the team isn't able to kind of back that up. Like, you know, having 16 points from Elias Pettersson in 22 games is great, but it's shown from the record so far that it's just not good enough, unfortunately, for this team. Like, it's good. It's a great performance from Elias Pettersson. He's playing good games, especially lately, and, and just ripping that shot, hitting so many crossbars, unfortunately. But... It's like to, for this team to really be considered a playoff team, 
a guy like Pedersen, and you don't like to say it, but like he's going to have to be better, unfortunately. Like it's a lot to ask on this kid, but if that is your goal, if your goal is to make it to the playoffs, you need more from Miller, you need more from Pedersen, you need more from Horvat, you need more from from really everyone. Like you're getting it from Brock Besser, I think, and offensively you're getting it from Quinn Hughes. But you need more from everyone, not only the bottom six guys who at times have put up decent amount of goals, and we've seen what Tyler Mott and Brandon Sutter have done early on this year, but really you're going to need better from everyone. Like it's it's not one guy that's slacking, it's, it's everyone that needs to make it better, and that might be something back to your point about the goaltender, like if the team does play better in front of you, it's a lot easier for a goaltender to start to get some confidence when the team is actually putting up goals instead of, like, the first game against the Jets. Thatcher Demko has a great game, a game where the Canucks probably should have won if you look at simply the goaltending performance, but they don't get a goal. Like, how can you win a game if you just can't put up a goal? So it's it's everyone. Like, it's top to bottom. The X factor for this team, it might have to be every single player. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like, like I get it. I get what you're saying. The team needs to come together and they need to play better. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Like, it's so funny. We sit here and we, we listen to the radio and we listen to everybody else talking about it. And, you know, not everybody, but there's a lot of people out there that are like, man, what's what's going on with this team? Like, why did they lose that game against the Jets where they lost one nothing? And really, like I said this before, and I'll say it again, like, they just have to finish. They got to finish their chances. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it looks like... This team, whenever they want to play really solid team defense and buy into their system, I look back at Vegas. It looks like they just can't score when they do that. When they focus on playing proper defense in front of their goaltender, they just can't score. So it's like, do you want to score three goals but also let in three goals? Or do you want to play some defense, let in one or two, but then you can't score at the end of the other end of the ice? Like, you need both. You need both from this team, and they're just not getting it right now. So with that in mind, Chris, one guy whose name hasn't really come up a lot, and you know we're both pretty big fans of him, we think he's a good coach, is Travis Green. Do you think, at what point does the finger start to get pointed at Travis Green? Yeah, I think the, the finger's been wagged in his direction a little bit early on this season, specifically during that six-game losing streak, but... It's got to go up a level for me, to be honest. I think that Travis has got this group where you have a guy like Elias Pettersson, a guy like Bo Horvat, where that's your your top six centers for a long time. You have Quinn Hughes, who's you know going to be one of the def- best defensemen in the league at producing points, and then you have a little bit of a, a surrounding core in Besser and Miller and you know Pearson and Huglander and these guys, and they look good, but. After that, it's it's really a lackluster rest of the roster, right? And I think that you can get a lot out of this team if you're able to just squeeze it for everything that it has. And Travis Green has been able to do that as his time as the Vancouver Canucks coach, but he just he doesn't have the weapons to do it. You know, it's like going into the war with with a bunch of Nerf guns, right? Like it's tough to really go and win a battle with a bunch of Nerf guns, and, and that's what they have really in their bottom six for scoring. They're not able to contribute enough, and I wonder if. It's something that I talk about a lot, like looking at the whole of your top six compared to looking at the whole of your top nine. Like, is an option out there where you give JT Miller the third line and you switch things up, right? Like, would a third line of, you know, JT Miller, Adam Gaudette, and whoever else you want to really throw in there, maybe Zach McEwen, like, does that make your top nine more able to score goals against teams? Because right now, if you go up against the Vancouver Canucks, 
you put your best two your your best two defensive pairings up against the top six lines. You put your defensive lines up against them, and if you can limit them and just not let them outscore the crap out of you, you're okay. Like you're okay. Like if you can just say okay let's let our bottom sixes go to battle the Canucks are going to lose that most nights so I think it's more to do with the roster I think Travis Green is the coach of this team um and I've I've had my criticisms of him in the past and he's proved me wrong where you know I think he is a good coach I think he's a great NHL coach and I know that a lot of people are going to point fingers at him because he isn't able to get the best out of this team but man he's proven to me that he can get the best out of this team it's just like you said right now they're playing good hockey, but they can't seem to find that last gear that's going to push the puck past the goal line and get you the goals because they're getting scoring chances, they're controlling possession, and they're not winning games still. And I think that's the most unfortunate thing about this team right now is they're playing good hockey, but not getting enough goals to win, it seems like, on a nightly basis. We've said it before, but I think it's worth noting again. If the Canucks do let Travis Green go this offseason he's not going to have trouble finding work. Like, it's not going to be a situation where we're sitting there scratching our heads, oh, why hasn't this guy been hired? It's going to be, he's going to coach next year in the NHL. I guarantee it. He is either going to go to a team like Anaheim, again, we've mentioned that's where he's that's where he lives in the offseason, or Seattle, right down the road. Like, Seattle's going to be looking for a coach, and until they hire a coach, or the Canucks extend Travis Green, this is going to be a talking point. Like, Maybe Calgary. Look what's going on in Calgary, man. They have no control right now. Jacob Markstrom's getting lit up. They're not playing with any heart in front of him. And man, it sounds cliche, but it just looks like they've given up on the coach. And I'm I'm trying to stay somewhat in tune with what's going on over there. And it really just it's it's a tire fire in in Flames country right now. And you you think Vancouver's bad, but man, with the personnel that the Flames have, like they, yeah, they don't have the best offense, but man, when you have Jacob Markstrom in net, you should not be losing. Like, I, I would say the Flames are an objectively better team than the Canucks were last year with Markstrom in net, right? And now they have the same goaltender. They're a better team up front than the Canucks were last year. And now Markstrom's let, getting lit up. Like, man, I, I've watched the games and not all of those goals are on him. Like, it's the same song and dance with him. Like, it's very few of those goals are goals that he is going to save on a nightly basis. And that's saying something because he's still making spectacular saves. I get it. I get the save percentage isn't nice, but man, you got to look at the quality of the shots and man, the flames are just like, it's bad right now. And I know a lot of people in Calgary are calling for a change. Maybe it's Jeff Ward that goes Travis green might be available this off season. So again, it's something to consider and men, like when we just had an off season where Canucks fans are, you know, having nightmares about Tyler to going on a John wick revenge tour against them and the flames signing everything that used to be a Canuck. Like, you know, they're, they're targeting Mark Donnelly. They're tar- targeting Finn. Like when does it end? Right. They're going to, they're going, they're going to go after their Baker with Louis Deming and now they might go after the coach. So it's just, you never, you never want to put yourself in a situation where, you had this coach that you developed, you know, you don't usually use that term when you talk about coaches, but this is a guy who was with the organization, worked in Utica with the younger guys, came up, proved himself, got you through the playoffs, nearly got you past Vegas because he got his guys to buy into his system that he was selling. And he kept, you know, it's not on him, but man, he was, he was a, he was instrumental in them getting that far against Vegas and keeping all those shots to the outside. Like, yes, it's on the players to buy into the system, but man, it's just 
like I he's gonna get hired right away. That's my point that I'm trying to make, I guess. Yeah. And I just I don't think you want to put yourself in a situation because all of the teams that I've listed so far, Chris, guess what? They're all in the Canucks division next year if the Pacific comes back. Anaheim, Seattle, and Calgary all in the Canucks division. So you're going to see a healthy dose of Travis Green once again. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, that's that's a situation that we can talk about later in the season, I think. And and it's yeah, it, it's it's not a lot of great things. And I think it just comes back to the the fact that the Canucks are playing better hockey and it's still not good enough, right? I think that's where we're at. Um, I want to spin it a little bit to some positives, maybe just a little bit to take away before we go to break and send to Corey here. But I, I did enjoy, and you didn't get a lot of ice time out of them, but what the Canucks put together on a fourth line the other night uh, against the Winnipeg Jets just in this most recent game of Jake Vertanen, Zach McEwen, and Jay Beagle, really were not in their own zone at any point in that game against the Winnipeg Jets. I think just one shot attempt against in their six minutes of ice time together. And I know that's not a lot of time, and it it obviously isn't. I mean, Jay Beagle, I think, was under 10 minutes, and he even had penalty kill time. But that fourth line, I think, is a good setup for a fourth line. It it really is. Like, it's going to give Jake some pretty easy matchups against the forwards and defensemen that he's going up against to maybe utilize his speed. Uh, Zach McEwen's going to bring a ton of energy, and Jay Beagle's going to be a fourth-line center. And I think that, you know, it's too bad that I'm, like, I'm picking at straws here just to, like, get one positive, and I'm talking about the fourth line. But that could be something in the future that I'm – okay with for the Canucks is what they're going to put out on their fourth line if they kind of stick with that trio I think it's a fine fourth line to put out there absolutely and I think you know it, it was they were due to change it because we saw a few games of Louie and man Louie wasn't even doing the little things when he was out there like in those games he was making poor passes he was causing tur- not causing turnovers he was producing turnovers like mm-hmm. It was not good. Those were bad games from Louis, even to his standards. And man, you tune into Toronto radio or whatever, you, you watch the discourse in Toronto, they're complaining about William Nylander right now. Like, that's that's where they are right now. They are complaining about William Nylander in the Toronto media scene. Could you imagine if they had Louis or if they have Jay Beagle or if they had Antoine Roussel, all these guys making this much? Like, they're mad about William Nylander. I just don't get it, man. It's... It's it's like it's it's tough. It's really it's really tough to watch this team, I guess, when you know that they could be so much better. Like think of think of if the Canucks didn't have these guys on the books. Those guys I just listed. Like what could they put around Elias Pettersson? Like, you know what? You're looking at maybe signing Taylor Hall this offseason to a one-year deal. Instead of him having to go to Buffalo, he plays a full season alongside Bo Horvat or Elias Pettersson. We've talked so long about getting Bo Horvat a proper winger. Tanner Pearson's fine. But man, Taylor Hall's on another level, and that's like a one-year deal. That would be perfect for the Canucks. These Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, last year of their ELCs. You give them Taylor Hall for one year. You, you like it's just a layup. It's right there, and the Canucks weren't able to capitalize on anything. And I'm not even saying I'm not even saying that they had to go sign Taylor Hall this offseason. Oh, this is a missed opportunity. But man, it's just one of many. Like the possibilities are endless. You just look at what other teams are doing, and I'm sorry, but that should frustrate fans. Like like Botch said, this market deserves a good hockey team. And right now they don't have one. Yeah. I think, I think you're bang on. And I think it's because of, unfortunately where Jim Benning's gotten this team to a point right now. I mean, a lot of mistakes have gotten them here. They weren't able to capitalize on a tough free agent uh, year where you were able to get Tanner Hall, uh, Taylor Hall for a decent amount of, you know, not a huge amount of money. And like you mentioned, a one-year deal, 
Like that situation set up. And to speak on Louis Erickson for a second, he's been on the ice for, for 47 minutes. He has one assist. So he passed and then got off the ice because he hasn't been on <laughs> the ice for a goal yet. But he wow. still has the one assist where he was off the ice for the goal, but he got an assist after making the change. I think that's in- insane to see. Um, I just, I don't even know really where to go because it's like a team that puts up a record like this and plays like this and is this place in the standings. Like you look at the LA Kings, like look, look at the LA Kings and look what they have coming up in their pipeline, right? Because they're not a great team. Right? They're not a great team. They have a lot of investments in what they have coming in the future. What do the Canucks have coming? Like, What do the Canucks have coming in the next two years that's going to make an impact on their NHL roster? Like Mikey DiPietro, he'll be ready to be a backup in two years. Vasily Colson, he's a, probably a top six player in the next two years. Jack Rathbone, maybe he pans out to be a top four guy in the next two years. But like after that... I mean, you, you want to have pauses about Cole Lind. You're liking what Carson Folk is doing right now. Um, you know, even some guys like Aiden McDonough and Victor Pearson might have some upside, but really not a lot. Like you look at what the LA Kings have and what they're, what they're icing right now for an AHL team. Like it's just, it's unfortunate to be in this spot because like you said, like this city really deserves a team that is as committed to winning as the fan base is really because the fan base wants winning so bad you see it on social media there's no other sports social media like Canucks Twitter like there's a reason why Canucks fans are so invested in this team and it's because of the community that this team has been able to build online and it's just unfortunate that the management group can't build a group as strong as what the social media group has built I mean it's unfortunate and I think that I don't I'd like it's it's weird to have this conversation in the middle of the season because like there's a lot of things that we'll definitely be talking about as the season goes on you know Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen's contracts coming up Travis Green as you mentioned like the situation just it doesn't look good with a lot of things that are going to come in the next couple of years here this next this next run of games and the next way that this season kind of ends there have to be some decisions on what this team is going to be for the next you know, five years, I really think. Like, the five-year plan with Elias Pettersson, with Quinn Hughes, with Brock Besser, with your head coach, with your general manager, there's so many decisions that need to be made before the season ends because you can't just end this season and then, you know, let Jim Benning go and let Travis Green go and let this new general manager come in and have to sign Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson and, and make these moves. Like, I think they need to act quick. Like, they need to be proactive with this. Like, they can't just let this go into the off season and then be like, okay, like here's a full new management group. Uh, we got a draft in a month. You also have to sign our two franchise players in the next three weeks. And it's like, there's a lot of decisions that need to be made and a plan really needs to be laid out because the plan that was laid out seven years ago when Jim Benning was hired has not worked. It just has not worked. Yeah. You've landed Pedersen. You've landed Hughes. You've landed Huglander. You've landed Pod Coles. And these are exciting players, but the plan just hasn't, like the plan that was laid out wasn't to get those players. Obviously like things have changed and there needs to be a new plan right now for five years out. And that's just where I just don't know if Jim Benning's the guy to make that five year plan because what do you like? That's a 12 year plan, right? Like at the end, like 12 years of Jim Benning. Could you imagine? Honestly, I can, like I, I can, I, I can too. start that's to imagine thing. it. That's the crazy thing. You can imagine it. It's crazy. Oh man. Okay. Well, I think that's a good time to catch a break. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll dwell on that for a little bit. Maybe we'll come back, chat about it a little more. But on the other side of these advertisements from our great friends, 
you were going to hear Corey Hergott on riding the bus. So keep it locked and keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code Hockey Season with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for epic case break openings. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. Do you ever have a long work day where you just forget to hit the liquor store on the way home and then you got no beer for your game? Well, problem solved, folks. Same day delivery now from the folks at Parallel 4-9 Beer. That's right, the P49 crew is here and available on Uber Eats. All that brew directly to you with Uber Eats and Parallel 49's online store. Shop.Parallel49Brewing.com or check out more information on their Twitter and Instagram pages at Parallel49Beer. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employees on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trade jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. All right, short and sweet one here for our friends at Mike's Hard Lemonade. The Blue Freeze. If you haven't tried it, folks, you need to get out and try the Mike's Hard Blue Freeze. By far, my favorite alcoholic beverage on the market right now. If you're going to just enjoy a few drinks at a game or it's a Saturday night and you got a Zoom party with some of your friends, take yourself down to the BC Liquor Store which or your local liquor store, wherever you get drinks. Pick up some Mike's Hard Blue Freeze, the best, tastiest drink on the market right now. McEwen into the goal and he scores! What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy shake. Guys, joining me now, it's time for the midweek special now. It's Riding the Bus with Corey Hergott. Uh, Corey, how you doing on this Monday? We kind of mixed it up a little bit here with the recording day. I'm doing well, Chris. Been a busy uh, handful of days here of uh, writing and interviews and 
writing some more and um, having a heck of a fun time doing it and uh, happy to be back and talking comments with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I want to start right there. I mean, we were going to talk about it later, but let's just get right into it with the interview that you had with Jalen Chatfield. Uh, I just tweeted it out. I think it's I think it's going to be a lot of fun to hear you tell stories, right? And not just write about stories, but really tell stories that you're able to kind of go into from the relationships he's built around the Utica Comets over your years of covering. And you kind of started with a big one this week about uh, Jalen Chatfield. And I just want to kind of get your opinion on what made you decide to write that article and how it kind of came together. Well, you know, it's, it's Black History Month. February is uh, is Black History Month. And, uh, you know, Jalen is a player I've been covering uh, since I started writing about hockey. He, uh, he came in to the comments the same time I uh, started covering the team. Right. So he's a player that I, I definitely keep tabs on. And, uh, you know, he's he's a guy that I've been able to speak to once before at training camp in Victoria. And uh, he's very, very... Um, what's the word i'm looking for when he answers his questions he's very thoughtful with how he how he answers he he doesn't just uh you don't get a canned answer from him generally and uh you know he he's a very very bright kid and and i i kind of thought you know i i wanted to give him a chance to speak on this if it was something that uh, that he wanted to speak on i kind of uh the way i i put it to him when we first opened the conversation was that okay jalen i don't want you to you know, to relay anything that you're uncomfortable speaking about. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want you to worry about whether or not you make our readers uncomfortable. Like, that's fine. If, if people are reading this and they it makes them uncomfortable, I th- we're probably accomplishing something here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he he was very kind of measured in, in, uh, in his answers and uh, thoughtful in his answers. And I just, I came away feeling, um, you know, this is a, this is a guy that, I, I use this, this term a lot, but this is a guy that gets it. Um, this is somebody that's been raised with a set of values that uh, have allowed him to be successful. You know, not only as a as an athlete, but as a as a person, as a good human being. I mean, to to be able to sort of just turn the other cheek when you know you're you're you've got somebody trying to use the color of your skin against you as a weapon, and uh, you know, Jalen was. <laughs> The, the tone in his voice when he said this this particular kind of sentence um, it spoke volumes with me because he said like to to judge a person because of the color of their skin or where they were born is crazy and like the the way he said the word crazy he just said it all like I mean really <laughs> you you've got no control over where you're born or or what language uh, your your family speaks or what color your skin is there's zero that you can do to control that it's all about the person's heart and the person's mind those were Jalen's words as well and and uh, you know he gets it. it this is this is a situation where where a guy came up he's he's got a his mother is black and his father is white and uh, so i'm sure you know he probably had some discussions over the dinner table growing up, you know, learning some things from them having to go through what uh, a biracial couple likely has to go through back when they, you know, back when things weren't quite as tolerant as they are now even. Um, So it's, to me, he, he comes across as somebody who's been, you know, raised well and who is because of that, he's well equipped to deal with, with these kind of things and not, and not let it let it affect him. That was, you know, he, he said that I, I'm better than that. I, I I'm not going to let 
somebody else's words affect me. I'm I can it has nothing to do with the game of hockey. Yeah, I I was actually going to bring up that exact quote you brought up. So thanks for doing that for me. But I'll, I'll bring up the one before, uh, just the sentence right before that that I wanted to kind of touch on. Uh, just I thought some powerful words from him. He said, "I never really noticed black, white, Asian, or whatever. Everybody is the same. It's about the heart and the mind." And and that's I think what you're kind of speaking to on a guy that just seems to get it. Not only as a hockey player, but get life, like get out of respect other people in life. It feels like. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it all comes back to being a you know a genuinely good human being, and and I mean, uh, if you have to, if you're at the point, you know, we're, we're speaking about hockey here, but even in life, if you're at the point where you have to look at a person, identify something about that person that is different from you, and use that as a reason to mock them or to denigrate them or put them down uh you know you're on the losing end (laughs) you're on the losing end right away and and the person who is big enough to uh you know take that and and you know just say you know what uh that's your nothing that you're saying affects me uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let that happen so he's a he's a strong uh willed person he's got a strong character and and i think that says a lot about the fact that you know he's an undrafted kid who's you know been able to make a pro career in hockey and and uh, he's played some games at the nhl level and, uh, and i'm pretty sure we haven't seen the last of him there yet either yeah i wouldn't be surprised either and uh, to translate or to transition i guess from another guy who's graduated from the comets onto the nhl uh we'll just get your thoughts on this because this is another guy who came in at the same time you started covering the comets what'd you think of the McEwen fight last night Corey? i'm sure you were uh <laughs> i saw some of the McEwens on social media getting pretty excited about it i'm sure you were with them with that well, I mean, I've I've said this before, and I'll say this first and foremost. I like I don't think that Zach McEwen has to go out and be a fighter in order to have a, a spot on this hockey team. I think that there's more to his game than than throwing fists. Um, that said, you know, this is something that I tweeted out last night, and it's something that I feel pretty strong strongly about you you've got a player who's lucky if he crests seven minutes in a game uh he's a often a, a healthy scratch this year and i mean that he's he's a young guy making his way in the league that's going to happen but for a guy to have to sit and watch game after game after game and uh you know his first or second shift or whatever that was he goes out there and uh you know takes care of business because you know that We've here heard for years this team needs pushback. It doesn't always have to come in the form of throwing fists, but uh, you know, I think something probably needed to be done about that situation. It didn't necessarily have to be a, you know, like a staged fight or, or whatever the case may be. But uh, Zach answered the bell. He did it quite well. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm. I used to like fighting in hockey. I'm not as big a proponent of fighting anymore, but I do still get excited when I see, uh, you know, two two large guys. Uh, you know, it's the, they call it the code in hockey. They're they're doing what they feel they have to do, you know, to kind of keep their their spot in the lineup or to do their job or to play their role. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a guy like Zach, who you know maybe doesn't get as much shine uh, to to just come in into the you know come into the game and and you know, do that. And you, you saw him, it was, just, it was a job. He, he laid the, the beating on the guy and then he just, there was no emotion on his face. He just turned around and skated to the box and, uh, you know, he's going out there and, and doing his job and he didn't get a ton of ice time after that either. So, um, 
you know, I, I feel, uh, I feel like players like that are, are guys that, uh, help bring a room together. Uh, players like that are needed on a team who they, it's not about them. It's about the team. And, and that was everything that Zach McEwen did last night was he didn't go out there and, f- and fight Derek Forbort because, uh, Zach McEwen likes to go out and fight. He went out there and did that because, you know, that was the code and that was something that, that uh, he felt needed to be done. And, and uh, as I said, he handled, handled himself well. Yeah, well, he did it for the team, right? I mean, he did it for the team at that point. And you saw, like, you saw the Niels Huglander video, I'm sure, on social media. It looked like he was a kid about to get his first puppy. I mean, he was he was loving <laughs> that uh, McEwen went out there and stuck up for him. Uh, but we'll translate now to, uh, I keep saying translate, transition back to the uh, Utica Comets here. Um, I think the biggest news from last week, and obviously we'll have the two games and we'll touch on those a little bit, but the big news for me is going to finally now get to see Jack Rathbone play some professional games. Uh, we're not exactly sure. I'm sure that tomorrow at the media availability, we'll find out more about when he is going to make his debut. But what do you think the impact is going to be with a guy like Jack Rathbone coming into this Comets lineup? And, and I'll let you ex- expand on it a little bit and say maybe where you think he will fit and which guy he might pair up with moving forward now. Well, I think uh, my understanding is with the uh, quarantine that he has to do and everything, he would actually be eligible to play on Friday when they play Friday and Saturday this week. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that we're going to see him uh, go straight into games. I think we might see the team work with him for a few practices first, just to kind of uh, familiarize himself with the systems and, and that end of things. Um, it's entirely possible that we do see him play this weekend, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's the following week when we see him make his debut Uh, as far as what he brings um, you know you've seen a lot more of his game play than I have but uh, you know you've got an offensive player a guy with some speed Uh, the Comets uh, their defensive end of the game is is this on the back end is a part that's uh, that needs the most work Uh, I don't I haven't seen enough of Rathbone play to know what his defensive game might translate to uh you know in his first handful of games at the pro level but i'm excited to see him there you know they've they've only got seven defensemen in utica so i kind of had a feeling at some point we were going to see somebody uh whether it be another player from the st louis system or a pto brought in from from the echl or or something but i kind of had an inkling that we'd be seeing somebody else show up there before too long you know he's a, he's a left shot guy. They only have uh, Tyler Tucker and Josh Tevis there currently as left shot guys, and uh, Tevis hasn't played the last couple of games. They've been using uh, righties on the on the left side, so you know it might stabilize things a little bit for the Comets. Uh, it's going to help their offense for sure. I think uh, Rathbone could have a you know possibly a Oleo Levy type effect on what happens there this year. You know, Yolevi came in in his first year and, and was fantastic. 13 points, I think, in his, fir- in his first 18 games before he got injured. Mm. I think it's possible that we see something similar from, from Rathbone. Um, you know, they've been using uh, Mitch Ranke on their, their first power play unit. Uh, that might continue, but maybe you see Rathbone slide into that second unit spot instead of uh, Steve Constantini, that would be uh, maybe a nice spot for him to work with some of his fellow Canucks prospects there, because Gadjevich and, and Folk and uh, you know spent generally spend time on that second power play unit. So I could see that being a spot for him. 
Um, I'd like to see him worked in on the penalty kill if that's something, you know, I think every defenseman should be rolled into that role uh, throughout their their time at the AHL level. I think that's kind of an important thing. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that happen with him. I'm not sure if it'll be, you know, right out of the gate or if that's something that we see after he's had, uh, you know, a handful of practices under his belt where they try him out, you know, on the PK there first before they, you know, shift him into game action. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just, I just, I saw so much of him at training camp and just thought, like, this guy moves like an NHL player. Like, he moved like an NHL player. He had confidence like an NHL player. I, I've been banging the drum, I think, for a while now just to say that I think putting him into the Canucks lineup would have been a good decision. So I'll, I think to that degree, I am just so excited to see what he's able to do in the AHL and play with these Comets players because I really think that he looks like he's very close to the NHL. So to finally get him into some game action uh, is going to be great for you and me, man. I think we're going to love what we see uh, from Jack Rathbone as we're watching him. Uh, And to that degree, like you mentioned it, that they have seven defensemen in the Utica Comets organization right now. Uh, We just saw Nathan Walker and um, who else just got called up? Uh, Dakota Joshua. Yeah. So Joshua got called up as well. Uh, in, in a year where we look at the roster and we don't see a lot of players, I guess, you know, reserves, guys that aren't playing in games, I'm just curious, Corey, like, maybe if you can fill me in and our listeners as well, like, where are the next group of players really going to come when Utica starts to lose more players or maybe we see some injuries? Because I don't see a lot of guys that are just healthy scratches for this team, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of guys every game. There's So far, there's been obviously uh, at least one defenseman each game who's mm-hmm. been sitting. Uh, it's Josh Tevez has been the guy for the most part. Uh, and it's I think it's, oh man, I don't have it in front of me, but there's a couple of forwards sitting each game as well. Vincent Arsenault hasn't played the last couple of games. Uh, I want to say there's a fellow there named Tanner Kaspik who yep. played, I think, one game. I, I don't think he's played much uh, since then. So they, they do have a couple of bodies there, but I think what's going to happen if you, I, I mean, I, I'm getting off here for a little bit, but uh, Nathan Walker was called up, as you said, and uh, Curtis McKenzie missed both games last week for the birth of his first child, but he'll be back in the lineup. So that's going to be a bit of a swap of those two. You know, McKenzie comes back while Santini, or sorry, while uh, Walker goes out. Um, but, you know, Dakota Joshua, that guy... He was that fourth line was pretty solid the last couple of games yeah. and brought a lot of energy and, and uh, so good for that kid to get called up. He's he's been a, kind of fun to watch for a guy that I've never really heard of before. But I think uh, getting back to your your question, where are these guys going to come from if they need to bring in more players? Well, you're probably going to see you know a player or two brought in from the ECHL on a on a PTO on a tryout uh, deal. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that we're going to see a whole lot more coming down from Vancouver. I think uh, with uh, Jace Harlock, um, just a, I think he's close to return. So I think they will have to make a move there. Like somebody will have to go, um, like he'll have to get waved to, back to the taxi squad again or, or to Manitoba or to Utica, or maybe they'll shift a different player and keep him on the taxi squad. So I think there will be another, there's a possibility anyway that another Vancouver prospect or player could end up uh, down in Utica within the next, you know, week or so. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to hear because I think we've liked a lot of what we've seen from these prospects so far. And the one guy uh, I want to talk about more because I, I really think he, he's been dominant on the ice and 
to, to a degree, like jumping in as a center in this league, he's done an excellent job, I think, in the faceoff dot so far. And you probably know who I'm talking about now uh, with Carson Folks. So 16 shots for the guy leading the team right now in shots on net. I like what he's doing on that second power play unit. I think the addition of Jack Rathbone, like you kind of floated a little bit earlier there, that's just going to make that second power play unit more dangerous because we've already seen power play goals from Gadjevich. We've seen that that second unit look pretty dangerous at times, and I'm excited to see what they can do. But, Matt, is Carson Folk, like we talked about it last week, who's surprising you more, Folk or Wu? For me, like, it, it was another big step for Folk from the two games that we saw this past week. Yeah, he picked up a pair of assists this week. I, I believe it was a pair of assists. Um, you know, and like you said, uh, 16 shots on, on goal uh, that he's been credited with so far this year to, to lead the team. And, you know, you see uh, one of the power play goals, uh, Yashik. There's the other guy that I couldn't remember. Yashik is on that second power play unit as yeah. well, For as far as Canucks guys go. Uh, but, you know, Yashik wins a face-off, draw back, and, and uh, Folk just hammers the puck on net, and Gadjevich, uh, Jonah on the spot, doing his job and bangs it in. And, and we'll you know, we've seen uh, we've seen folk out there. Like you said, he he can move. He's skating around really well, keeping up to the uh, to the, the the run of the play there. And you know, you got a speedy line mate like Will Lockwood there on one side, and you've got a bruiser on the other side in, in Gajevich. Those three really complement each other well. Uh, that line plays well together. And I know you uh, brought it up in last week's uh, post game when you talked to Jonah about that and about how he what he thought of uh Carson Folk's game and and how he thought about like what he thought about playing with him and he's like yeah I like playing with that guy he's a good dude and and uh you know just the tone of again I I I put a lot into the tone of when a player says something how enthusiastic or unenthusiastic they are when they say it and to me that was a pretty a pretty clear indication that uh, Jonah really does enjoy playing with uh, with a guy like Carson Folk, and like you said, uh, he's a young guy and he's he's come in and he's not really looked out of place. He's he's stepped in and he's he's playing a role on this team. And I mean, we we see in Vancouver how important how important a, a third line center uh, is to a team to be able to actually roll lines and to be able to you know put players out there in the right positions. And when you've got a kid that's able to hang in that role with two other kids on his line i mean that's that speaks well for for you know what what he's going to bring to this team in the future yeah absolutely and i think it's something that you talked about just a couple of weeks ago that it is going to be tougher for the defenseman to make that adjustment in, in jet woo uh, but we're seeing some physical things out of him and i think there's some positives but i, I want to skip the woo gadjevich and lynn talk this week because we're going to do it deeply next week and i don't want to do it every single time you come on the show here so uh, appreciate uh, appreciate your insight on the on the comments for forwards here uh, and talking about Jalen Chatfield a little bit as well let's let's look forward to this weekend coming up uh, we have two games this weekend we have Friday against the Rochester Americans and Saturday against the Syracuse Crunch uh, the big story for me is if we are going to see Rathbone in those games or not you know maybe even just one of the two uh, but for you what are some of the storylines that you want to see or maybe you want to see a player take another step this weekend coming up here in this back-to-back well, I, I mentioned it in my Comets Weekly wrap-up here for Canucks Army um, that came out on Sunday. Uh, Cole Lynn's offense dropped off a little bit uh, over the past week, but he looked to be a little bit more engaged in uh, you know in, in his own end and in the neutral zone than he had been. Um, 
Faceoffs are still a work in progress, but as you pointed out, he's he's making some adjustments in his game to try to help with that switching from lefty to righty uh, when he's <laughs> taking faceoffs, and and he's finding a little bit of success there. So that that's a kid that's working hard to to you know get past the the issues that he's facing right now. So I'm looking forward to see seeing Cole take another step uh, on the defensive side of things, and I'm hoping to see him kind of bring the offense back a little bit as well. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see Will Lockwood, uh, you know, start to produce a little bit more offensively. I mean, we've spoken how that'll come from his defensive, uh, being defensively sound. Um, I am looking forward to seeing if, uh, what happens with Jet Wu this week. Is he going to be the odd man out when they bring another defenseman in? Um, you know, is, is he, he's played out of position the last couple of games on the left. Um, and hey, that's something else that we we spoke a little bit with Trent Cull about last week. I know you said you don't want to talk too much about Wu or whatever, but yeah. um, it is something that I brought up with the coach after the game because Wu had uh, in their first game of the of the week there they were up uh, up a couple of goals and Jet Wu um, made a bad pass. It ended up becoming a, a goal against on the on the power play, um, and then he followed that up with a kind of an ill-timed penalty and, and put his team down and we still saw Trent Cole roll him out there near the end of the game killing a penalty uh trying to take the game home and and uh you know I brought it up and asked if that was a, a situation where they're specifically doing that to help keep his confidence up or if it was just his turn up or or what the deal was and, and like Cole said the you know when they have the opportunity this year like they were up by two goals at that point or whatever it was and so they could afford to throw him right back out there they don't want to punish him too hard for making a couple of mistakes they don't want to crush his confidence so it was good to see them throw him right back out there and and allow him to you know bounce back from his mistakes and seeing seeing how players react in that situation Mm. you know that that's just just as important to me even if it if it if the team wins or loses or if the player's having a bad game it's just seeing how they react to that bad game and when the coach challenges challenges them back right away to to get right back out there and you know i think uh, i think that Wu showed well enough there and and uh, played well enough the next game too so he's a guy that's going to be one to keep an eye on um but the, this weekend it, it'll be interesting to see how the offense goes we we've seen this team uh you know pre, be pretty handy at scoring goals so i, I think we're going to see that continue um but yeah, I, I'd love to see uh, Rathbone get in there. I'd love to see him get a, get at least one of these two games in, if not both. But I, I'm not 100% sold that we'll see that happen. Yeah, and to go back to what you said about that woo, not only to hear that quote from Trent Cole, but to see him actually physically put Jet Woo back on the ice. Like, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it and also say it. And I thought that that's something that Trent Cole did uh, in that game right after you mentioned a couple of, I don't want to say bonehead, but bad Bad situations for Jet Wu. I mean, he gives up the goal, pretty much primarily his fault on a bad giveaway, and then takes a penalty right after. But you said it. I mean, Trent Cole goes right back to the young kid, the 20-year-old defenseman, and he's back out there for regular shifts. Doesn't sit him out like, you know, we've seen, I guess, some young players maybe get it in the past. Like, I remember, I don't want to bring him up too much, but the gold open stuff. Like, you know, when Goldie <laughs> scores that first goal, leaving the zone too early, and then is sat for the rest of the game. Uh, but we've seen that with young players in this organization, and, and it's one thing to say it. 
and talk about it in media, but it's another thing to do it. And I thought Trent Call did a good job of getting Wu right back out there after his mistake to kind of learn from that mistake, right? So that was a, a great setup there in the end. So uh, we'll wrap things up there. Corey, appreciate you uh, giving me some more of your time here on this Monday night. Uh, and we'll get the episode out fresh tomorrow for people to listen to. So uh, thanks for doing this, and let's have a good weekend this weekend with some Kamataki here. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate coming on again. And uh, yeah, it should be a couple of pretty good games this week for us to talk about uh, next week as well. And, you know, it's uh, kudos to you for getting on to these uh, Zoom calls as well uh, with the Comets. Uh, we get to talk to them once a week uh, after a practice on a Tuesday. And, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of nice having another uh, another face, another voice from the Vancouver market there uh to, to ask some of the questions too because when you're one guy there and you've got uh you know four or five or six other uh writers that are or, or uh you know radio guys or whatever uh we don't always get to get our questions in so sometimes it's nice having two of us there to get our our questions in on those zoom calls so uh yeah good for you to get that done and and i enjoy uh that little I think that helps us bring a little bit more to our conversation each week here as well. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, who's going to ask Adjevich about Trent Cole's mustache if I'm not there? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that was great because you asked Jonah about the mustache, and I asked the man himself. Uh, that was the first thing I brought up with Trent Cole. Uh, he was surprised that we he didn't know yet that we had seen his his mustache in the uh, in the intermission. So he was a little bit shocked when I brought it up. He's like, "How do you know I have a mustache? I have a mascot. Nobody's supposed to know that." So yeah, no, yeah, no. it was it was. It was pretty funny, and uh, hey, when the coach is out there, uh, you know, sporting a Lanny McDonald, uh, Wyatt Earp kind of looking mustache, uh, I'm I'm all for it. I'm a I'm a big facial hair kind of person, so yeah. uh, good on the coach. It looks good. Absolutely, and uh, for people that haven't seen it, because people probably haven't, you you did post a picture of it, I think, right on your Twitter a while ago. So maybe I people did. might have to dig that up yeah, a little there's bit. A, if you go through my Twitter account, you'll see uh, you'll see a picture, uh, just a screenshot I took of uh, Trent Cole with his uh, his mustache during an uh, intermission interview. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, yeah, he he's got a lot going on with the flow that he's growing now, and now the mustache. I mean, uh, he's a he's a busy man with what's going on with his hair situation. I'll say that. Yeah, I think that's what he said. He, he uh because of covid he hasn't uh, hasn't been to the barber for a while so <laughs> yeah so it's uh the, the coach has, has got the flow going he's got the stash going and uh you know he's he's giving uh some some young kids some pretty important minutes in utica this year so as long as that's happening i say keep the flow keep the stash and let's keep these kids playing absolutely and we'll keep chatting with you every single week Corey. thanks for doing this and we'll chat again next week man thanks chris talk to you later all right we've calmed down a bit Thank you so much to Corey Hergott and to all of our sponsors. We really appreciate everybody's support. We've seen a lot of people, you know, like our numbers have gone up. It's been great. And we have seen some people subscribing to the Patreon, which is pretty exciting. So now's a good time to probably plug that Patreon. The $5 and $10 tier gets you all the bonus content. The bonus content typically, it changes. It really does change. You might get me playing clarinet. I'll give you fair warning, though. Or you're going to get Faber and Quads shoot the bleep. And that is where Chris and I just talk about non-hockey stuff, kind of talk about what's going on in our lives, probably complain about school for about 10 minutes each episode. It's a lot of fun. People seem to like those. I don't know why. Like, I don't think we're that interesting, Chris, but people like to hear the behind the scenes and like kind of how, how the sausage gets made. Yeah, I had a really fun Patreon last week, like talking about the the things that we did as kids that got us in the most trouble. That was a lot of fun. And you, uh, you know, 
talking about uh, how you were just such a perfect kid growing up and not getting in trouble ever was was a fun Patreon episode. So yeah, if you haven't checked it out, patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. Uh, I think it's in the bio on um, on the Canucks Convo Twitter. account as well, yeah. Yeah, and that was the funny thing. I So the topic that we talked about was what we did as kids that we got the most trouble for. And I asked, I couldn't think of anything. So I asked my mom and she said, and I quote, Probably just you were too independent. You used to try and make plans with your friends when you were really young without running it by me first. That was that was what she came up with when I asked, what did I get in the most trouble for? And I don't even remember getting in trouble for that. I was like... Oh, I don't know. That was it. Was just funny because we were talking about how I was such a such a perfect kid and just uh, an absolute yeah. angel. And uh, yeah, that was the response from my mom, which was really really funny. Yeah. So if you want that kind of non hockey talk, we keep it on the Patreon. But it's been a lot of fun, and we'll be pumping out one of those definitely this week as well. Since we're recording uh, on Monday night and releasing this on Monday night, we'll have uh, we'll have a Patreon for you guys midweek or later in the week as well for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, let's wrap it up here with some more Canucks talk because we came out pretty negative there. Like, we went into break, didn't feel good about myself. We were were negative, we were ripping this team. And here's the thing is, like, I don't think we're negative, but, like, people have also reached out. I've had people who, like, I'll I'll write something negative when the team's playing poorly. Like, oh, I didn't know you were like this. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, first of all, I came in when the team was doing really well. Like, that's kind of when we started. So... For people to be like, oh, you guys are super positive. Like, when the team's doing well, of course we're going to be positive. Like, you know, you and I, just the way we are, I don't think either of us is ever going to look for a reason to be upset or look for something that to critique. Like, oh, we got to stay on brand. We've got to be negative about something. Like, that's not how it is. But it's like, right now, I think it's harder to find something to be positive about than it is to be just Talk about the team as they are. And the reaction toward this team right now should be a negative one. Like, there are very few bright spots. But I, I don't know. I, I want to I move past the negativity here. So let's look for something positive. Chris, what has been the most positive thing about this Canucks season? And why is it Nils Hoglander? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, here's another positive for you. If the Canucks finish with a 9-21-4 record... They are the odds-on favorite to win the draft lottery, so that's exciting. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Nils Huglander is is everything that uh, everything that I hoped he could have been, and still shocks me to this day. But that that smile that he had on his face, and great job by the broadcast showing it. But like his smile, watching him when Zach McEwen was beating the crap out of Derek Fortnite, like that was just an incredible, incredible little clip right there. So great to see him get excited about it. Like he, I think I joked about it with Corey. Like it looked like a kid getting a puppy for the first time. Like he was so, so happy on the bench. And I think that's the thing. I think I tweeted this out the other day, but like we're seeing Niels Huglander go into so many physical board battles. And to me, what I'm seeing is like, he's just like shocking the guy that he goes up against, right? Because, like, Niels Huglander yeah. is an absolute force at his height. Like, he's he probably just shocks people with how strong he goes into each board battle, not only with his stick, which I think he's just a lead at, and I saw that at the SHL level of how good he was at just pulling pucks out in the battles with his blade of his stick, but now he's bringing that physical side at the NHL level, and like I said, just shocking people, I think, when, when he bumps into them. You know, like, if, if you were to come out to me on the street and bump into me, it wouldn't do much of damage, but I feel like a guy of similar height to you and Nils Huglander, if he bumped into me, I'd be like, yo, okay. And that's no slight at you quads. I know you're bulking on the weight to, you know, to get to the Nils Huglander level, but I'm sorry, man, you're never going to have legs like what Huglander has. 
No, I I know I'm not. I know I'm not. Even though, actually, no, I'm not going to get into this. This is this is not this is Patreon talk. But yeah, you, you know, you're right. Like Hoglander surprises everybody, and the thing is, like, <laughs> I think my favorite thing about this is every time Travis is asked about him, he refers to him as a good little player, and I just love yeah. that because <laughs> like it's like if I played if I played professional hockey, that's exactly how I'd get described. They'd be like, yeah, he's a great little player. Like you know, at past jobs I've had, they're like, yeah, he's a great little worker. And I'm like. Man, like that was when I was in in construction though, so everybody was like bigger than I was. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that that that's always something that makes me smile. Whatever Travis refers to him as a good little player, but yeah, I mean, it, there's no question it's Nils Hoglander, and I guess this kind of segues perfectly in a prospect talk. But well, let me go. Man. There's one thing I wanted to to talk about, and I really noticed it being at the rink and seeing it from a different angle. Um, and we see it so much like Elias Patterson ripping that slap shot on the power play. Can we talk about the power play for a minute here? We got some time. Absolutely. We have time. Okay. And this is, you know, Tony G brought this up in the interview. The most recent one that we had Tony Gallagher on the show, there seems to be something off between the Quinn Hughes pass to Elias Patterson, right? Like it feels like a lot of the one timers and a lot of the shots and a lot of the puck possession comes between JT Miller on the left side and Quinn Hughes on the top. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think getting Quinn Hughes to rip that shot is a good thing. I think getting Quinn Hughes to shoot more on the power play and funnel shots towards the net is a good thing. But you see it with a left-handed shot on the on the top. And I'm not calling for Tyler Myers to be on the first power play unit. But there's something off right now about the passes from Quinn Hughes to Pedersen. And I know that Pedersen is definitely a little bit picky on what, shots, or what passes he's going to take his shot on with the one-timer. Because if it's not almost perfect. Like it has to be like in a little one foot kind of margin of him getting that slap shot off. But a lot of the times you get a pass from Quinn Hughes over to Elias Patterson. And I just, I noticed it so much yesterday being at the rink and actually seeing the power play work that you just need more. Like you need more of those Patterson one timers. And I think that should be the key on this team. Because if you look at what this power play is able to do, obviously that, that Bo Horvat area and people have kind of keyed on that a little bit and put more man on him. But there's a lot of times where that Pedersen one-timer is open, and I think that's the most dangerous way that this power play scores. And unfortunately, because of some some passes that aren't great from Quinn Hughes going over his way, you're not getting enough of these one-timers from Pedersen. I don't know if you've been able to see similar thing on the ice, but just being at the rink, like it, it was something that really just popped as I was watching it yesterday. On that note, I almost want to tweet this out, but I didn't really know how to word it properly, so I'll try and do it on the podcast. When I was at the rink... At the end of the skate, or the warm-up skate, Quinn Hughes was out with Elias Pettersson late, and they were trying to make these passes. Like, Quinn Hughes, Pettersson was set up on the wall, Quinn Hughes is at the point, and he's just feeding Pettersson passes to take one-timers. Elias Pettersson missed both of the one-timers he tried to take, and he had to take, like, six passes from Hughes that he had to turn back the other way and pass back to Hughes because it wasn't good enough. And man, that's with nobody on the ice and just them. Like... I get Pedersen needs the perfect shot for him to pull off the one-timer and for it to be an effective, hard one-timer. I get that. But, man, like, what changed from last year? Because it looked like Hughes was doing that no problem. All he had to do was put it onto Pedersen's tape, and he was doing it no problem last year. But now you're seeing these struggles. So it's really interesting that you pointed that out because I I did notice that in the warm-up skate, and I was going to tweet it, but I, again, didn't know how to word it properly. Well, and it's funny because it's not just because of a lefty passing to a lefty because you see it in Washington with a righty passing to a righty in Carlson and Ovechkin. And I know that that's a a veteran group there that's a lot different. But, like, do you think that 
that needs to be more of a focus for the Canucks' first power play unit is just getting those shots from Pedersen because that's what I'm seeing. Like, you need to have your most dangerous weapon firing as often as possible, and I'm just not seeing that from the power play right now. You know what I would like to see a little more is JT Miller shoot the puck more. He's not getting a ton of shots on goal, and he's got a really good shot. He can get it off in a hurry. I would like to see, it seems like he's going for that extra pass a little too much. Like, that's one thing I've kind of noticed over these games, is JT Miller really wants to make the perfect pass, and sometimes he just puts the extra pass out when he doesn't really have to. And, I don't know, like, you'd like to see Patterson shoot the puck more. Yes, that's the obvious one, but I think Miller's a guy as well who really needs to start shooting the puck when he's given the opportunity to. Yeah, it, I, I like when Miller gets that th- kind of wind up where he gets some some speed going into the power play, even if he leaves the zone for a quick split second to gain that momentum. Like, that's great. That's another weapon, right? But uh, I don't know. To me, I, I saw a lot of uh, passes from JT Miller where he was trying to force it across to Pedersen as well. And, like, the pass is there from Hughes to Pedersen. Like, it's there. It's just it needs to be a better pass right into his wheelhouse to make it happen. Or maybe Pedersen needs to be the guy who can adjust and fire his shot it doesn't have to be a perfect pass. Just like take the shot or at least shoot a little bit more. I just, I don't know. I just, I feel like the power play and they're young, right? Like they're working through a lot of things and the power play is going to change with, you know, Pod Colson coming in and Huglander likely working his way onto the first unit at some point in the next few years. I just, that's the thing that spot on just was like, oh, you just, you want to get that Pedersen shot so much. I mean, he rings one off the bar. I, it looked like it was in from when we, where we saw in the rink. It looked like it was in. Then right after that, late in the game, he ties it up. And that's great for the Canucks, like to, to have a comeback, even though they, they gave up a lead going into the third period. But to get the comeback goal was great. I just, that's the only thing that kind of popped, I guess, the biggest thing for being in the arena was wanting to see more of Pedersen get that one-timer off because it's the best and the danger- most dangerous weapon for this power play unit. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, okay, last thing, because it's, it's typically, or technically, it's about the man advantage. Last night when the goalie was pulled, why was Tanner Pearson out there and not Nils Hoglander? Like, I'm sorry, but if I'm, if I'm Newell Brown or Travis Green or whoever's making this decision... I'm putting Hoglander out there, and it's a six on four, okay? Six on four. And you put Hoglander behind the net? Like, I don't know. It's just we know he can pull off the lacrosse-style goal in, like, uh, the blink of an eye. And if you give him the direction to do that, like, you tell him, Nils, you're going to go out there, and you're going to do that move because it's six on four, and they're not going to be able to cover him. They're going to have to respect the moves to the outside if he's going to make a pass to the wings or right in the slot. Like, they're going to have to watch Bo Horvat there. If they have six skaters on the ice, I I just, I don't know. Like, I was, like, trying to think about what Tanner Pearson brings to that to the ice that Nils Hoglander doesn't on a six on four, and the only thing I could think of for Pearson was puck retrievals. But then I was like, well, Hoglander's good at that too. Yeah. So Well, I'll add I to just, that. There was, there's one, like, the way that they used that six on four, they put him right in front of the net, right? And I don't think that... Yeah. Like, I get that, you know, Pearson's done a good job. What is it? He scored more goals than any other Canucks player since he's joined the team. That's, I think Something that's, like that, yeah. so that's a stat that kind of popped when I first heard that. So I, I get that. And and I even tweeted out last night, like, why isn't Hugliner on the ice? Why is it Pearson? I, I just, the way that it kind of like looking back at it, I understand because they just used him as a net front presence, right? Because you're going to have Pedersen on the right. You're going to have Besser on the left. You kind of had JT Miller floating on the top as well. So it made sense. But yeah, like I think just the concept of it was like, 
Huglander creates so many scoring chances. He's great at retrieving the puck. He just seems to me like a lock to have on the ice when you get the extra man out there. So that one kind of shocked me a little bit too, I'll be honest. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's just, you know, don't put him in front of the net. Put him wherever you want. But, man, get him out there. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's been objectively one of your best players this season. And just, again, a guy who had, what, five shots last night, season high? I think he tied his season high five shots, career high, obviously. Um, but, man, like, I, I don't know why you don't want that guy out on the ice. You and can I, I, it's, this, you just brought up a, something that just, like, light bulb just blew up in my brain here. But, like, Okay, I've been obviously covering Huglander and Pod Colson a lot for the last two years. And obviously Huglander hasn't put up ridiculous numbers like we saw Elias Pedersen do in the past. But just from what you just said about Huglander, where it's like, why would you not want that guy on the ice? Like, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about a player making an impact. Because look, Huglander, what, he has nine points this year? He's not lighting anything up, but he's been the best Canuck on a lot of nights. Right? Like he's creating so much offense. He's making a change to a hockey game. And for a lot of these people that look at prospects and only look at stats and, you know, don't listen to the people like Cam Robinson or Corey Hergott that are talking about the Canucks prospects. Like it's not about the stats for a lot of these guys until they really get to the NHL because they're playing in different systems, different leagues, do asked to do different things. It's more about just the way that they play on the ice. So I wanted to t- like that. Just something you just said there just kind of made me click about these prospects. Like, again I say it a lot but like don't just read the stats like try and watch some clips that are put out there read the articles that people are putting out that they are actually watching these guys um because it's going to be a very similar thing with pod Coles and like he's going to come in and he's going to make a huge difference every single night for a hockey team to have a better chance of winning a game it's not about the points that he's putting up but those will come eventually it's just it's going to be about the impact like we see with Niels Huglander right now changing a game and making it turn so much in the Canucks favor when he's on the ice. No, absolutely. I, again, yeah, you're, you're bang on. And I don't know if you want to skip the prospect report today. Cause I know you've got to get to a call, but uh, yeah, I'll go this quick. is uh, I'll go quick. So okay, go for it. We got yeah. to do betting. Thanks to our friends at odd shark. Yeah, you betcha. So uh, pod Colson, he was out of action again with a concussion. Uh, he did post a picture on Instagrams. He was out with his family. Nice to see. Um, I wonder if he's getting closer and it was nice to see him posting, you know, it's not like a, it's kind of, this feels weird to say, but it's like, it's cool to see him posting a lot more in English, you know, on his Instagram, just to kind of put it out there. And we've seen him in a recent interview uh, speaking English and doing an English interview. So that was great to see. And, We'll, we'll see what happens in the final two games now of the KHL for him before they go to playoffs at the end of the month. Uh, and then the only other thing, like I talked about it a lot uh, in the comment, in the conversation with Corey. So uh, very exciting things about Carson Folk right now. And then getting Jack Rathbone to actually play games in the AHL potentially as soon as this weekend coming up is huge for them too. So that's all I really got on the prospects report, but I do have some bets. I got some bets quads. Okay. Thanks for our friends at oddshark.com. Go check them out. But, Lay it on your bets. Let's hear it. All right. So I took uh, took some advice from our friends over at the Broadscast, uh, mostly Danny, because I know this is her her catchphrase, I guess, if you want to say. Uh, no stats, just vibes. And I got to that game last night, and right before the puck drop, I said, you know what? Pedersen's going to score two goals. So I went with it. It was like 1300 uh, plus 1300 so that's, you know, uh, $13 on every $1. So that picked me up a nice $70 cash as I put – whatever the money was down on that. And it was a nice return. I don't know. Like I've, I've been doing a lot of betting lately on guys getting the over for shots. Like I, I like Tanner Pearson really any night to have the over for his shots. I like Nils Huglander lately because he's ripping, like he's attempting 
at least like seven shots, like seven shot attempts every game for the last like five games or something like that. So it's ridiculous to see what he's doing. So I'm kind of riding the over on that because Niels Huglander is starting to shoot the puck a lot more, which is great to see. So that's kind of my tip of the week is take the over on Niels Huglander shots right now. Interesting because that was also mine. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I put money on three. I put like six bucks on him getting three shots. And again, it was like plus 130 odds, I think. So I made about seven bucks. But it was, it was interesting because I think I told you about that glitch on Bodog. So just keep your <laughs> eyes open, people, because this is some nice betting advice. They put as the over-under on a prop bet for McDavid getting shots on goal in one game, it was 35. So you could pick under 35 or over 35. Obviously, they meant to put 3.5, but it was 35. So my brother put 50 bucks on under 35, and I was like, whoa, let me get in on this. Like, I wonder what's going to happen. Like, I, I assumed we would just get our money back, and they'd be like, oh, we made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. Sorry. No, they they honored it. So he got, like, he got under 35 shots in the game, as you would expect, and my brother and I both won the bet. Like, my brother put 50 down, and he got 50 because the odds were even on it, too. So <laughs> I put 30, I got 30 back, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So you just, you know what? Betting, betting advice of the week is make sure you read everything really carefully and just kind of look yeah. around to see what you can find. Yeah, that's a good one. That's probably one of the better advices because, yeah, we haven't been giving out great advice lately, but that's free money right there, so that's good. And, uh, yeah, well, I'll stick with the shots. That's all I really got this week for the betting segment. So, uh, yeah, I'm all good this week, Quads. I think it's been a good episode. Uh, we simmered down a little bit after a hot start to the episode, you know, smoothed things over with Corey Hergott in the middle, uh, and then wrapped on a little bit of a positive note, I think, as we kind of finished up here. So we kind of gave everybody a little bit of everything on this midweek episode here, which we are actually dropping at the very start of the week just because of how games kind of played out and, you know, Corey's availability, everything. So we're going to have a Patreon for sure, uh, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. One of those days we'll have it out for you guys in the afternoon when, when Quads and I can find a good time for both of us to record later in the week. So we'll definitely have a Patreon for everyone. Uh, like we said earlier, patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. And while I mentioned stuff, uh, shameless plugs, we should mention again, uh, rate and review the show as well. We always forget to say it, but we saw one come in last week uh, blaming Corey for the five-star review. So we appreciate that. Uh, if you have a quick second you know just search up uh the canucks conversation on apple podcast click it right there and you can do a review super quick helps us out in some way that's really good apparently i don't really understand it but it also helps out the podcast in a big way so appreciate everyone listening and if yeah if you got a second maybe just give us a review we appreciate it yes very well said my friend for chris faber my name is david quadrelli and you have been listening to the canucks conversation hello thank you for calling thomas Grant. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 